for your presence in this place. We want to thank you, Father God, that we can just celebrate you and be grateful for all the, the great things that you're doing in our lives and grateful for the strength that you give us to overcome even the things that are not so great, Lord. And we thank you that indeed you are a good God. You continue to carry us. And we thank you for the rain as well, Lord. Thank you for refreshing us this weekend. And we thank you that more is still coming. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I just want to mention shortly about the fast that we're starting. As a, as a family, we always used to fast in, 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 in um, I think it was once a month on a Thursday. We used to fast for the nations, or was it every week? It was actually every week, no? Yeah? Every week on a Thursday, we, wa- we used to fast for the nations. And we really just want to bring back that spiritual discipline. So if you're feeling this morning that, oh my goodness, that, that uh, announcement that Bella made about fasting tomorrow is too soon, I uh, just want to encourage us that fasting is a spiritual discipline that we really need to learn to practice. And it's a good spiritual discipline because it really opens up the spiritual realm to us. It just sensitizes us to, to hear what God is saying and what God is doing in the nation. And we can even begin to send words to, the, to that team that's going um, and, and encourage them and say, this is what I sense God wants to do. So I just want to encourage us, you know, don't just say, oh, yeah, they're fasting on Monday. Be part of the fast. Pray with the saints together. And let's just really be encouraged to see God transforming the nation of Colombia. We're not always going to fast for the nations. There will be different things, but we'll definitely be fasting and praying together. Amen. Awesome. So today's message is entitled, Serving Him. Serving the great I am. Serving God. Being people of service. And I want to read from John 13, verse 12 to 14. It says, When he had washed their feet... And taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Amen? So Jesus is speaking here, and, he's, and he just finished washing the disciples' feet. And he was telling them that just as I have washed your feet, also do the same for each other. Okay? And you know, he started by saying, they call me Lord. People know me as Lord. They know me as Savior. They know me as teacher. Yeah? They know me as this exalted person up there. But look what I've done. I have lowered myself to wash your feet. And therefore, let me be the example that you follow so that you will also wash each other's feet. Now, this that Jesus is saying is so important because if we look at the world today, you will never really see a Lord, a king, a president, a mayor, somebody of great stature according to our measures that will bow down and wash somebody else's feet. In fact, it's the other way around, isn't it? If somebody is known as this great person, they should just be able to snap their fingers and people are already running. How can I help you say, what do you need? That's how it works. But here Jesus is saying, 
this is what you see there, but this is how I want you to do. How many of you have ever washed somebody's feet before? Anyone here has washed feet? How was the experience? Was it a great experience? For most of us, it is a good experience. You know why? Because we have a little bowl and we put in some lukewarm water. And then we have like shower gel or body wash, right? That smells nice. Maybe like sweet fragrance like roses or something like that. It must just smell nice, yeah? And then you get to the person's feet and you've got this towel next to you. And you're hoping they're not wearing socks, you know, because that can be quite something. You're just hoping they will be wearing sandals, open shoes, maybe. And then you wash their feet and you put some of this body wash and it smells good. And you, you do the ritual, you pray maybe, and then it's done. It's a good experience, isn't it? Yeah? But let me tell you that the feet that Jesus was washing <laughs> was very different from how we wash feet nowadays. First of all, we need to remember that those guys used to walk everywhere. None of them drove anywhere. It was hot. And they used to wear those leathery sandals. So when you walk in leather sandals, it's sweaty. And the combination of sweat and dust can form this thickish layer in those shoes. Yeah, in those shoes. So you can just imagine what the feet really looked like and what they smelled like. Hmm? It wasn't a pleasant experience. And he didn't have body wash or shower gel. He just simply took those feet and washed and bless them. Now we need to understand that in Jewish culture, the washing of feet, especially by a host, if they were receiving somebody, was set aside for the servant to do. But not even your Jewish servant, the Gentile servant had to wash the feet. So it was like the lowest of the lowest someone could ever do. And that's why Jesus did that. Because in the minds of those around him, this is a very low act that you're doing. So he had to do that for people to see that this is really a one-of-a-kind king. He's so different. He came to show an example that the rulership, the leadership that you're used to, the, the greatness that you're used to in this world is very warped compared to what I have come to show you, compared to what God wants you to know, compared to what my kingdom has to bring. In this kingdom, ladies and gentlemen, may I present to you a kingdom where the greatest people are those who serve. So what is the greatest job in the kingdom of God? It's being a waitress. You guys are laughing. It's being a waitress. Hmm? Serving people. Considering others greater than yourself. And taking the time to bless others. Regardless of their, 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 um, their, what is it? Status, yes. Their social status in community. 
regardless of where they come from, what they look like, but taking that time to lay our lives down so that others can be elevated and their lives can be made better by the acts of service that we do. Amen. Matthew 20, verse 26 to 27 says, um, this is after Jesus was explaining how the rulers in the world operate, you know. Um, just read the whole passage because of time. I don't have time to go into it, but I'll just paraphrase a bit of the, um, the story there. He was saying that the rulers in the world, they, they want to lord it over you. You know, they're the guys that need to command to, to show their presence. This is who I am. I'm the boss here. Do you know who I am? You serve me kind of thing. And he says, but that shouldn't be like that with you. Huh? And he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So he's saying, just like Jesus, just like he came into this world, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom. So Jesus came to lay his life down. He, he left everything that he had in heaven. He status everything. And he walked here on earth as almost like a nobody. He had no home. He had no car. He had nothing. He was walking everywhere. He didn't even say, okay, let me be the king of kings on earth so that people can see. And he was riding in this chariot of fire or anything like that. He lowered himself even lower than some of the, the standards that the people in those days were living. You know? And so people were like, what kind of king is this that walks around and chills with drunkards and prostitutes and people of no class? Imagine that. Because surely if you're a king, you should be chilling with the people in parliament and maybe mayors and those, those kind of people. But you don't come down and chill with drunkards and prostitutes and people that have nothing. Yeah? But he was showing the heart of God. Yeah? That he came to serve, to bring out those in captivity, to make their lives better. And he had to lower himself to reach them. And then when he died on that cross, he released the power to get all of us elevated into that position of being sons and daughters of the Most High. Yeah. But the way he lived on earth was an example for us to follow. follow. Yeah. And, you, and I know most of us, if you've been exposed to a powerful person that has no compassion, no love, and, and doesn't want to serve, looks at serving as the lowest of the low, you just know that it's not a great attitude, isn't it? Someone like that doesn't really attract you much. But if you can see someone of greatness still taking the time, <laughs> taking the time to do the things, mundane things, that will make you feel like, oh, wow, this is really a person of character. It shows great character. So Jesus was trying to show us that. He, was, he, was, he, he wanted his disciples to know that. He was about to commission them to send them out in the world. And he said, 
And, and even with us, as, as much as our theme this year is, is um, abundant living, taking hold of the things that Christ has for us, and we're going out and, and we're taking a hold of those things and we're standing in Him, we're living it all out, we cannot forget servanthood. We cannot forget humility. Because sometimes we're going to be like, yeah, it's a revolution and we're going all out. But we don't have the compassion. We don't have the love. We don't have humility. And we look so unattractive to those that we're trying to reach. Everybody in the world wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be accepted. Everybody wants to be known. So it's so important to really, really be people that prefer one another, that prefer others. And our heart is to serve those. You know, I always used to think when you come to Christian parties, um, and especially if you're having pizza, the biggest slice of pizza should remain in the box after everybody has eaten. Isn't it? Because if we truly prefer one another, we should be taking the smaller slice. (laughs) Isn't it? You, you take the smaller slice of pizza because you prefer. You, the person that's coming after you is the one that's better than, yeah? But you will find that even in Christian parties, the smallest slice of pizza is the last one. So what does that mean? Let's, let's think about it. T.W. Manson said that. He said, in the kingdom of God, service is not a stepping stone to nobility. It is nobility. The only kind of nobility that is recognized. Service is not a stepping stone. You know how some people share their testimony sometimes? Yeah? You know, when, when I came to church, I didn't do anything. I was just an, I, I was, I was just an usher. I, I just used to pack in chairs and pack them out. And, and then the Lord promoted me. Before I knew it, the worship leader asked me to, to be on the worship team. And then before I knew it, when I was singing, and sometimes I'll speak in between, the pastor recognized maybe I had a powerful voice, and then he asked me to start leading prayer for the nations. Hmm? And today I'm leading prayer for the nations, and I'm preaching. Yeah? That's a, it's a testimony of starting off as somebody low, ne? ushering, packing chairs, and now look at how great I am. Yeah? But we don't graduate from serving. Yeah? Don't ever think that as a Christian, I start here and then I become this person, but then I never go back to serving again. Serving is a lifestyle and it stays. That is how God expects us to be. Yeah, I remember, I think it's Pastor Andrew, he loves sharing the story of a gentleman that used to come to his church early. And he used to come early to the services and he would pack out all the chairs and, and people would come. And he used to do this day after day, year after year. He would always come early. And he was really impressed with this. And for those who know us, in every nation, we always look for servant leaders. You know, leaders who love to serve. And so he invited this guy to become part of the, the leadership team. To be part of his team because he, 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 was, he wasn't even an usher, but he would come early or pack the chairs. He, w- he was always handy doing whatever needed to be done. And so this guy became a leader, and then he was, he was 
now serving on the leadership team. And after joining the leadership team, he stopped coming early. And if he did come early, he wouldn't be packing chairs. He would just be sitting watching while the ushers were packing the chairs and stuff. And then he was asked, at some, after observing the situation, he was asked, my friend, what happened? Like, why don't you serve anymore? I don't see you packing chairs and stuff. And he said, no, but you know, that time I was just a normal person, but now I'm a leader. Hmm? And you know, some people have this attitude. Once you become a leader, you're like, oh, I'm a, I, I'm a leader. I can't do such things. You know, I, I'm a pastor. I can't be carrying chairs around. Hmm? People have that attitude. In fact, you should be carrying chairs for me. But this is exactly what Jesus was trying to get to the heart of. That the greatest of his leaders are people. That their heart attitude, first and foremost, the heart attitude is that of service and humility. It's not that now I'm this great person. I'm too great to even step on the floor. There must always be a red carpet. If there's no red carpet, there must be people that at least I can step on. You know, those kind of things. Yeah? God wants our attitude to be that of humility. And we can see it in the lives of the disciples. They lost themselves in, the, in, the, in that mission when they went for Christ. Yeah? They did, most of them left their houses behind. They just had the few belongings that they needed. And they went all out to help. They didn't need to acquire anything extra. And they were led full of compassion and love for those that they were reaching out. They knew. God said, I've given you the power to go and trample on scorpions and serpents and people will be healed wherever you go and freely have received, freely give. And they went out doing this. But at the center, at the core of it, was their heart of love and compassion for people. And that allowed them to become everything that they are. So we must always remember that as leaders... When we have that heart of um, service, we will always be thinking, how can I use what God has given me to embetter other people's lives, to raise their standard of living? Yeah? But a lot of the time, it's the opposite. Now that I've got this position, how can I use it to make myself even greater? I don't know if uh, some of you guys watched that movie, Penguins of, uh, not Penguins, but Madagascar. Yeah? Uh, King Julian. The self-proclaimed. That attitude is what God doesn't want to see. Okay? It's nice to watch, but don't don't start admiring that. It's, It's not the way of the Lord. Okay? Serving is wrapped up in the great commandment. The greatest commandment. And the greatest commandment in Matthew 22, verse 37 to 39 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love is an action word. Right? If somebody says they love you, Valentine's Day is coming up. Yeah? Nobody just wants to hear the I love you, I love you word. Hmm? How many of you want to be married to somebody who just says I love you all the time and they don't do anything? It's just I love you, I love you. If you love somebody, 
Show it. Yeah? Love must be action. There must be action following this statement of you saying, I love you, I love you. Do something. Isn't it? Yeah. So often when, 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 when people are in a relationship, they love each other, you see they're serving each other in that love relationship. And the minute you're not being served, you start feeling like, I don't know if this person loves me. Isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Some people are like, maybe serve, not service really, but gifts. Not gifts, but money. I don't know. But <laughs> the key thing is that you want to see when someone says they love you. How do we love God? We love God by worshiping him. And not worshiping, singing songs on a Sunday or in our cars while we're driving to church or driving to work. But it's a lifestyle of worship, which is characterized by obedience. So God's love language is obedience. If you ever wondered, what is God's love language? Obedience. When we're being obedient to God, that shows him that we love him. And how do we show each other that we love each other? By serving one another, isn't it? Yeah? So in the church, we should be showing each other that we love each other through serving. Now, just imagine a family. Maybe you've got five siblings in that family. And only the two do the work all the time. Two of them do the work. There are five people in the house but only two do the work all the time. They're the ones that wash the dishes, cook, pack things away every time. How will those two feel in that family? Huh? First of all, they'll be questioning, why are my parents allowing this? Yeah? Because we are five children, but they're always making us do the work. Then they will start feeling like maybe we were adopted. Yeah? Maybe we are we are maybe these are not really our parents and our brothers and sisters, isn't it? You you start feeling like you're not part of this family. Because you're being treated differently, you're being made to do all the work. Because if we're truly family, then we should be all sharing the load. Everybody must carry something. And it's the same. I mean church is a family. So everybody must carry the load. We need to make sure that every single person is carrying some load to make the family work. Yeah? So now imagine those five siblings. If the two do the work all the time at home, they're, they're, the others never do anything. But every time they go visit somebody else's house, those three are always busy. They're the first to say, oh, can I wash the dishes? Oh, can I do this? Oh, can I do What? What will the others be thinking? Like, that something is wrong with these guys. Yeah? Because if you can't serve at home, why do you want to go serve in other people's houses? Yeah? Charity starts at home. It starts at home. Okay? So we need to carry the load in the house. We serve in the house before we go and serve all over, everywhere else. And you know, in your house, like, you, you can come from work and you're so tired. 
maybe had a rough day at home, I mean at work, and you're just so tired and you eat your food. But you know what? In the end, those dishes still need to be washed. Hmm? If you're hungry, you have to cook food. If you're the mother in the house, you have to cook food for the whole family. While you're trying to raise those kids are running after you, looking for them, you, you just, you have to change them, you have to bath them, you have to do the things that need to be done. You know? And sometimes when it comes to service, we always want to do things that we are excited about doing. But can I present to you that you will not always feel like serving? You know? You'll not always feel like serving. But you have to do it. And we have to do it joyfully. In the Bible, in 1 Peter 4 verse 10, it says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Every single person here, God has given something to bring to the family, to this body, this church that you're part of. And God wants you to serve. And and, and, and what I want to say is that let's not focus too much on the gifts that we have. Because some people only want to serve according to their gifts. Yeah? And then it's, it's comfortable for me because this is my gift. But sometimes we're required to go outside of the gifts and serve wherever it's needed. You know, if I don't like carrying chairs, I can't say it's not my gift to carry chairs. You know, when chairs need to be carried, we carry. And I was just sharing at the first service how sometimes a lot of the times when we ask people to sign up, to, for ministries, to volunteer, how a lot of the times the, the, the worship list is always the longest. Everybody wants to join the worship ministry. Why? It's beautiful. It's glamorous, isn't it? Very few people want to become ushers, especially when they find out they have to clean the toilets. Oh, my goodness. It's not that glamorous. Let's give the ushers a hand, please. Hmm? Yeah? It's not glamorous. And I remember when when I was pastoring on on campus, we had this rule. Because especially with students, you know, trying to find your your feet and trying to find who you are. And normally identity is a big thing. And people try to bring identity by being on stage, being up front. So we we really used to have a list of worship really long. So we said, okay, from now onwards, anybody who wants to join the worship ministry, must first serve in ushering for six months. Yeah? So that was our rule. And, and then they, they come to worship to observe, but they don't do anything in worship. They just usher for six months. They, they are practical with ushering. And then slowly but surely, people started dropping out. And I remember this one person actually came to rebuke us, you know. I said, when we signed up, we signed up according to our gifts and I signed up for worship. Why must I do ushering? They were so offended. And we're like, no, but it, it is the prerequisite for getting into worship. And they, they just didn't like the whole idea. But that, that really showed that it was a very gift-focused person. Yeah? So we, we shouldn't be boxed in our gifts. Yeah? We should really be people that this is a gift. If you can serve in your gift, you can. But when, when help is needed and there's a call going out there and Godfrey is standing and saying we need more men to serve in children's ministry or we need more men to serve in ushering, 
You say, man, I'm available. I'm not doing anything. I, I want to serve. And it's really only for once a month. Yeah? I want to serve and I can serve. But obviously the fewer people there are, the, then they will serve three times a month. <laughs> you know, Because there are fewer people. But the more people sign up, the more you can say, okay, we can really rotate this thing and we can carry the load and everybody can be involved. It's, so, it's really so important that we serve one another. Church is a place where, because of the character that Jesus wants us to have, which is that heart of service, to be a servant, it should be a place where we shouldn't be begging people to volunteer for stuff. It should be a place where people want to do things all the time that you have to say, no, please just step back. The lists are full. We don't have... We don't know where we're going to add you. Yeah? But it's often the opposite. We have to beg people, don't you want to do this? And then we have to announce and make the announcement look cool. And then, it, you know, so that people are motivated and they're encouraged. And they're no, the Spirit of God is living within us. Yeah? This is the house of our Father. We would want to serve in the house of our Father. Just as in your own house, you would want to serve. You would want, after, as much as you come tired, you don't feel like washing dishes, you don't feel like cleaning, after that, and when you look at your house, you feel such a reward. You're like, oh, it looks so good. It looks so good. And you're happy. And it should be the same feeling we have when we're serving in the house of the Lord, when we're serving in the kingdom of God. And when God uses us even to serve out there in the world, we shouldn't be complaining about it. Hmm? We shouldn't. We, we should ask where, where, where it's tough. We ask God for grace. Hmm? But we should really, really be people that are like, man, I, I want to serve God no matter what. And, and our attitude in serving should always be a positive attitude. Colossians 3 verse 23 to 24 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. So when you're serving, first and foremost you must know that I'm doing it for God. And this is the same attitude with work, when you're working at, at your workplace. Yeah? It's not first for your boss. It's first for God. God is watching. You know, because some people, when the boss is not around, <laughs> now my boss is gone, I can do my own things. But God is watching. And he always rewards faithfulness. He really does. Yeah? So the attitude in serving should be, first and foremost, I'm doing this for God. And secondly, for whoever the leader is that has been placed here, To oversee what I'm doing. And we should always have a joyful attitude. And joy is not external. It's not determined by what, you, what, what circumstances are happening in the outside. No, that's happiness. I'm happy when I got a new car. I'm happy when I, I want something. Joy is different. It's something that comes from within. That no matter what I'm faced with, no matter what I'm experiencing, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Yeah? Let us not grow weary when we commit ourselves to serve. 
At the end of this message, I'm going to ask people to please sign up for ministry to serve this year. And we shouldn't grow weary because, you know, like a lot of the times, New Year goals, I'm going to serve, I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to do all these things. And then two months down the line, it's like, oh, I don't know if this thing is really going to work. It's just not fitting my schedule. It's not fitting my schedule to do these things. It's taking up too much time. If you commit to something, commit to finishing what you started. Let us commit and say, God, I want to serve your house this year, and I want to do it well. And I want to finish strong. And there might be times when I can't make it, I will communicate and I'll find somebody else to be in my place, but I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to grow weary because I know that you see what I'm doing and it's blessing your house. Amen. Hebrews 6 verse 10, For God is not unjust, so as to overlook your work, and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. He's not unjust. He will not overlook. He sees what we're doing in private. Even if your group leader doesn't see, even if your boss doesn't see, the Lord sees and he will always reward it. Amen. And, uh, and Thomas Watson said that he said, good duties must not be pressed and beaten out of us. As the waters came out of the rock when Moses smote it with his rod, but must freely drop from us as myrrh from the tree or honey from the comb. That is how good deeds, good duties, service should be coming from the life of a Christian. It should just drop. And I know sometimes we're afraid to continue doing good because we think people are going to take advantage of us. We're going to be used. All sorts of things are going to happen to us. But let, I can promise you this. If you are living your life according to the way Jesus has called you to live it, there's always a reward. There's always benefit. Okay? There's always victory in it. So God really wants us to be people that just ooze that service. Ooze it like Jesus was oozing it. It wasn't a put-on thing. Maybe in the beginning you're trying, but the more you get into it, the more you become more like Christ. And you just... Allow him to carry you. Amen. Psalm 102 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. It should be a joy to serve the Lord. It should be a joy to serve in this church. It should be a joy to serve in the world. When God calls us to serve in various areas. We must always remember, charity starts at home. At home, yeah. This is your home. This is your church. This is where God has called you. Service starts here. Amen? All right, so I just want to say that again, I mean, for the past two weeks, we've been sending out um, or rather announcing here that we need volunteers to help with the different ministries that we have. And I just want, if there are any ministry leaders or core leaders, can you just stand? Children's church, ushering, libraries, is there anyone like this? Hello? Oh, the guys are gone. They were all in the first service. All right. We don't have ministry leaders in this service this morning. Okay, we've got an usher there. John, are you not a core leader for children's church? You're a core leader. Why are you not standing? Hmm? Come on, stand, John. Give John a hand. He's one of the daddies. He's serving in children's church. Okay? 
He's serving in children's church. So um, if you want to serve in any of these ministries, but there are more at the back, you will see a sign-up sheets where you can sign up for a ministry and really just help us carry the load throughout the year. Yeah? So I just want to encourage us, sign up for at least one ministry. If you want to, you can, but one is good enough. And please don't, <laughs> don't belabor the point and say, okay, I'm not going to sign up this week. I first want to pray and fast and hear what the Lord is saying. It's, it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. Only if you want to serve in core ministries where it's like really things like marriage ministry and that when you have to lead that, then you pray into that. But this is really just like washing the dishes. Yeah? You don't have to pray and fast about washing the dishes. There's intercession. There's various ministries that you can become a part of. And when you join a ministry, you really grow. You grow. You see, people that grow in church are those that serve. They grow spiritually, and at the same time, they grow in relationships. Even romantic relationships. My God! Huh? But they grow relationally because you join a team. You become part of a team. And if you are feeling like you don't know anyone in the church, you only come with your family, or you come alone, and you want to get to know people, you want to build friendships, then sign up for a ministry because that is where friendships really are developed. As you guys are serving together in a team, having socials and doing things together, you will see that you're actually growing your relationship. So there is a benefit to serving. It's not just, oh, the church just wants us to, to, you, to use us or anything like that. You're, you are the church, okay? The church is not this building. Every person sitting here is a church. Your son and daughter in this house. So I really want to encourage us to get together and carry the load together this year. Yeah? And let, let this not be like the gym commitment where this year I'm going to commit to gymming three times a week and then it becomes one time and then it becomes once every month. Yeah? You want to stick it through. Amen. Can I pray for us? Let's just stand. <laughs> Father, we want to thank you so much for who you are in our lives. We want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have left us an awesome example to follow. And that is to follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ, to be just like you, Jesus. And therefore, we pray this morning that you will just come and just remove the lies that we've been fed about what it means to be great. To be great in your kingdom or to be great in the world, Father God. We really just ask for the mind of Christ in this area. And we ask, Lord Jesus, for the heart that comes with it, Father God. To be able to follow you wholeheartedly. To be people that serve everywhere we go, Father God. To be people that, that really just want to bring our best to your table, Father God. To serve with such excellence. To serve with such joy. And Lord, I, really, I just pray for people this morning that feel like um, they don't really belong or they can't find their feet. I pray this morning, Father God, for that spirit of adoption to just graft them in, to know, Lord Jesus, that you've raised them up for such a time as this, that you've caused them to be part of this family for such a time as this, that they're at the right place at the right time, Father God, and that you will continue to lead them throughout this year, Father. Lord, I thank you, Father God, that you continue to build us together as one body, Lord. You strengthen 
our relationships, Father God. Strengthen us together as a family, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father, that we will not just be people that come in quickly and leave quickly, Father God. We thank you that it will break beyond artificial relationships and be, we will be real with one another. We will be connected to each other and connected to you, Father God. Lord, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for that spirit of family to dwell in this church, to come over us and be with us, oh, Father God. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you for that. And Lord, I bless every single person in this congregation this morning, Father God. I thank you for a blessed week, Father. Even those that are crying out to you, saying, God, I'm trusting you for breakthrough in this area. Lord, I thank you for breakthrough, amazing breakthroughs, Father God, for finances, for family, for just what people are trusting you, Lord. You know our needs. You know where each and every single person is this morning, oh, Father God. There's not a single person that is overlooked by you, Father God. And I really just pray for that breakthrough anointing over their lives, oh, Father God. I thank you for the anointing that breaks the yoke, oh, Father God, that your children will rejoice and they'll be full of joy because their father goes before them to level the mountains all the time. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you for that. Amen. Amen.